follow your feelings. They are everything. Learn to live and think and be led by your heart, which doesn't mean there's not place for getting a little logical. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, I'm Mike Dooley, here to remind you once more that your thoughts become things. And I'm going to do it today by dropping another edition of a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. These were broadcasted live. My answers to fellow adventurers' questions about life, dreams, and happiness. And each one took 5, 10, or 15 minutes. We've sewn them all together for your viewing and listening enjoyment. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, welcome to another Week in Paradise. Thank you so much for posting your questions down below. That's where I get my talking points five days a week, 9 a.m. New York City time, even though I'm in Florida. And today is another uh, question posed by you. I think this one came from Facebook. I also answer the questions on Instagram. Mike, after making a wish, how picky should I be? The questioner went on. I struggle to know what is for me. I may put out that I want a new job, for example, and then I'll see a number of jobs that are all a little different, slightly less, different location, etc., from what I wanted. And I don't know if I should go for them or wait for exactly what I want. Don't you hate when that happens? Well, it's a good problem to have, really. But the answer is pretty simple. I've got three talking points for you here. Each one is critical. First and foremost, follow your feelings. They are everything. Learn to live and think and be led by your heart, which doesn't mean there's not place for getting a little logical, making your list, coming up with your ideal job. But what you want to use logic for is to say, you know, I'd like to work about this many hours a week. I'd love to work with my hands. I want to be creatively challenged. I want to make a lot of money. I want to live or work in this part of town. And then you show up, you knock on doors and whatever shows up for you, weigh it in your heart. You know, it doesn't have this, doesn't have that, but man, do I feel good about this? That's yours. Or it's checking off all the boxes, but I just feel icky. That's not yours. It will always boil down to your feelings. Now, here is where we usually misstep which creates this seeming conflicted paradox of wanting one thing and, and it's not exactly what you wanted. When, you, when it comes to making wishes of the universe, because your wish is the universe's command, your wishes ought to be, if you want fast and better than you expected, they don't have to be, but if you want fast and better than expected, your wishes, your dreams ought to be stated in broad brushstrokes, you know, wealth and abundance, friends and laughter, creatively fulfilled, living in a home I love, in a place I love, surrounded by people I love. You pick which one of these corridors you want transformed or all of them. Broad brush, international travel once the pandemic's gone, um, COVID free, uh, a house with a modern kitchen. Then you show up, show up, show up. But there's a step in the middle broad brush strokes, and then you visualize the details. 
Well, I'm going to work exactly 30 hours a week. Well, I'm going to be working for an artist. Well, I'm going to have a home on the beach. Well, I'm going to be here. Attached to the broad brushstrokes, you know, joy, happiness, wealth, creativity, surprises, better than I expected. Attach and settle for nothing less. But in the interim, visualize these details with detachment. You know, it might be a house on the beach or it might be a house on a lake. You know, it might be working for an artist or it might be working for an entrepreneur. Let there be wiggle room. The universe knows how to navigate the shortest, quickest way for your ultimate joy. And when your ultimate joy is out there in a large fashion, it's hugely stated. There are an infinite number of roads to get there. But if you're trying to micromanage and it needs to be here and it needs to be there and he has to be tall and he must be bald, then you are micromanaging and everything that you attach to eliminates everybody or everything else. You know, if the guy's got to be bald, then you've just eliminated, you know, two and a half billion out of three billion contenders, just eliminated. And then if he has to be tall and can't be whatever else, you've eliminated another billion. Don't eliminate, just say a rocking relationship. Okay, you could say tall, bald, and handsome. You know, there's a lot of those guys out there, but you, you don't, you don't want to go too far in the end result. Visualize those details, don't attach to the details. Leave room for even better than you can now imagine. And I like to remind folks, this is the third point, of the incredible leeway that divine intelligence has in, you know, threading those needles for you. Okay, don't think you can get it wrong. That's where all the pressure comes from. Don't think you can get it wrong. If hypothetically, your shortest, quickest path was, you know, northwest, but you followed your heart and maybe you were confused and you went north instead of northwest. In the instant you made your decision, all of the stars realign. A new, shorter, quicker way is calculated. Divine intelligence and all the angels are working to bring you your heart's desire and better than you could expect. The wiggle room is outrageous. Okay, there's so much leeway and latitude when it comes to the universe's power and love for you. So don't think you can get it wrong. Make your decision with abandon. Do the best you can with what you've got following your heart. It gets confusing because your brain won't shut up. And then know that everything is realigning. Don't go and then change. Go and then change. Maybe I should have gone here. Maybe I'll take a time out. Maybe I'll quit and see if something better comes along. Ah, just go with abandon. And the universe will put the right person on your path so that if it remains northwest, you will end up, even though you chose north, redirected to Northwest. Let the universe do that. So number one, follow your feelings. Number two, let your dreams that you attach to be broad brush. Insist on nothing less. Visualize the details, but don't attach to the details. You might get paid less per hour, but be working with a totally better crew with advancement options. And it's like, you know, you can't see that, but your heart will see that. And number three, don't think that you can get this wrong. There's so much wiggle room, so much leeway. You got it. You totally going to nail it.
Jumbo, fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley here. Today's tune-up, like all of them, are made possible by your questions down below on Facebook and Instagram. And to ensure the longevity of this gig of uh, tune-ups every single day, please share, engage, like, post, wave, stars, whatever, however spirit moves you. Today's question, I can't believe, hasn't been asked in the 200 earlier tune-ups that I've done. It's about creative visualization, one of my favorite topics. In a nutshell, the questioner is looking for some tips and wants to know what is the ideal duration of a creative visualization exercise. Well, I got more to share than just that. I've got nine guidelines that I have been building upon for the 20 years I've been teaching about Thoughts Become Things. Here's the question in further detail. How long do I need to spend visualizing? I hear 20 minutes three times a day. Who told you that? Or 30 minutes a day with absolute detail. Or five minutes a day throughout the day and then I've also heard only 17 seconds a day. I get a bit concerned sometimes because with small kids I don't get long periods of quiet to sit and visualize. Also, when I do visualize, I do more so with feeling and words than seeing actual images. Will that have as much an impact? Okay, so lots of juicy stuff here to cover. The premise, of course, I got to share this. In this world of illusions, these sacred, hallowed jungles of time and space, there's one immovable rule or law or construct that makes everything possible. Our thoughts become things. That's why I start these things every day with three fingers. Thoughts become things, not sometimes, but all the time. It is the end all and be all of not only living the life of your dreams, but it's how time reveals each precious second to you. You get what you think about full stop. There's everything else, karma, spiritual contracts, zodiac signs, what God's mood is, what God wants for you. All of that is second fiddle to you and your power to choose your thoughts wisely. Now, let me share. There have been a lot of successful people in the world who never practiced creative visualization. Whether or not you practice it, your thoughts become things. So if you're naturally inclined to think optimistic, happy, successful thoughts, look out world because you're going to make those thoughts become the things and events of your life. If you're not so positively inclined, well, it's going to be, maybe be a bumpy ride, although you're still inclined to succeed. We all are. So take the pressure off. You don't have to get this right in order to reap huge dividends from a creative visualization practice. And let me add, while you don't have to do creative visualization by any stretch of the imagination, when you know what we know, that we are divine creators through our focus, our words, which are our thoughts, our actions, which are our thoughts in motion, why wouldn't you visualize? It's the least you can do for the biggest bang in return investment. So what I'm going to do with you now is share my guidelines for creative visualization. This is a nutshell, okay? Uh, these come from my latest book on the topic, Playing the Matrix and Getting What You Really Want, a program for living deliberately, creating consciously. But here's those 
nine guidelines. Just briefly, because we've grown five more minutes. <laughs> once a day. Don't have to do it two times, three times, four. Once a day and drop it. Get back to the here and now where all good things happen. Get back to enjoying who you've already become and what you already have. Do not create this visionary world and present day world and keep visiting the visionary world and keep coming back to the present world. You get psyched up, bummed out, and it feels hopelessly impossible. One time a day. Guideline number two, don't do it for longer than five or 10 minutes. That's the maximum. That's not the recommended. Maximum five or 10 minutes. Who told you to do it for 20? Well, these are just guidelines. You can do it any way you like to do it. Okay, You can do it all day Monday, take Tuesday off, whatever you want. But these are guidelines that have worked humongously for me. So don't do it longer than five or 10 minutes because as I like to, to joke, you know, you're going to start daydreaming about sex or something. And then you're going to get mad at yourself and you're going to say, oh, I can't do this. I have adult ADD. It's like, no, you can do this. You're just trying to do it too long. I visualize every morning with a timer for four minutes. When the timer goes off, I'm done for the entire day. And some days I miss and I always take the weekends off. There's a lot of latitude and wiggle room like I shared with you yesterday. So one time a day, no longer than five or 10 minutes and then get back to the here and now. You've made your mark. The universe got the marching orders. You don't need to go, are you still on it? Did you remember? Hey, don't forget me. That just reinforces the lack in your life. There's so many reasons not to do it longer than five or 10 minutes besides the daydreaming thing, which is real. And, and there's so many reasons not to do it more than one time a day. You just don't need to. Once is ideal. 12 times is not better, it's worse. Two times, you know, if something critical is coming up and you want to do it twice in a day or three times, okay, there's, there, you've got wiggle room. Number three, I've already implied, ritualize it. Make it a routine. You'll be a hundred times more likely to stick with it if it's a ritual. Do not think, oh, today I'm going to visualize for four minutes. Yeah, good luck with that. Every day before you turn on your computer, when you're sitting at your desk, for example, you visualize for four minutes. And as a part of the, the ritual, time it. Use your cell phone timer. Count down four minutes or 10 minutes or whatever you choose. I do it sometimes for one minute. And when the buzzer goes off, you're done. And if you daydreamed and it wasn't that effective, you're done. You're going to learn and tomorrow you'll do a better job. Have a light heart with this. Do it one time to the best of your ability. If you daydream, that's okay. The universe still picked it up and you'll do better tomorrow. Just let it be easy or you're not going to stick with it. Ritualize it with a timer, a chosen time and place in your house or in your office, um, a chosen chair, a chosen couch, a chosen lotus style position or whatever. Ritualize it and never deviate from that ritual. Do not allow anything to come between you and that. Maybe if you've got kids, like you said, before you get out of bed, you know, at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m., you visualize, sit upright for four minutes and then go get the kids. If they're crying, you know, you have to improvise. Okay, number four, when you close your eyes, visualize every conceivable detail, sights, sounds, um, textures, aromas, 
We're not attaching to those details as I shared yesterday, but those details make it real. It makes it come alive. Those details are not important for any other reason to get you into that zone where this is reality. You can taste it. You can smell it. You're breathing it, baby. So visualize all the details is number four. Number five, the most important detail, emotion. If you have trouble, as 15% of every audience of mine does, seeing details when you close your eyes. Mike, what are you talking about? It's dark. No problem. Skip number three and go to, skip number four and go to number five. Feel the emotion. That detail will take you home. If you're already visualizing with feelings and emotion, sparked and stimulated by wise word choices and mantras, oh, home run. That's way more important than the details that you're seeing with your physical senses. You've got your heart involved. Emotion is the turbocharger of manifestation. Everything will happen faster, quicker, better, more harmoniously. If you're feeling that joy that you anticipate feeling once the dream has come true. Number six, perhaps, and I don't always do this, but it's a good tool. Think it out in advance. Like before you set that timer, what am I going to visualize? I'm going to the store, the groceries in my brand new car. Um, I'm going to be putting the top down and blasting the music and wearing mittens and mufflers and a scarf. Um, I'm going to park far away from all other cars so nobody dings it. That's a very negative, fearful thought. After I go grocery shopping, I'm going to go by the kids' school and I'm going to um, play Bruce Springsteen really loud. <laughs> or just create a script in your mind. Then when you close your eyes, you just do this script. It doesn't have to be a car. It can be love. It can be joy. It can be confidence. It can be uh, pr uh, pride. You know, not a runaway pride, but just a, a love for self. You can visualize and manifest emotions as well as tangible things. Enlightenment. Visualize that you're already enlightened. That you're glowing and people are commenting. So that's scripting it out. You could script it out longhand, or you could just think, okay, today I'm going to visualize I'm at the beach. I'm at my beach home, and it's springtime, and there's a rainbow over the ocean. Um, boom. Now you've got a script, and you're going to stick with that script for a couple of minutes. Oh, what's the minimum time? I'm often asked. It just makes sense to me that you would do it for a minute or two. Sometimes I do a one-minute visualization before creative writing. I don't know if there's a minimum. Thoughts become things. You don't even have to visualize. But, you know, a couple of minutes is going to get you in that emotional zone. Number seven, be in the picture. When you close your eyes, I want you to be driving the car. Your hands on the steering wheel. Your, remember the secret? My part in the secret? Be in the picture. Don't be a fly on the wall, although that might work too. There's so much wiggle room. You could be a fly on the wall watching yourself down below living your rocking life. But more, I recommend, you're in that picture. You're living that dream. You're saying hi. People are talking to you. You're living it. Be in the picture. Don't just imagine your car floating by, you know, in a cloud that's surrounded by gold. There's my dream car. I'm visualizing my car. It might show up on a blimp one day as an advertisement. There's your manifestation. That would really suck. Number eight, when you visualize, only visualize the end result. Do not visualize how you get there. 
So you visualize the end or beyond. The dream already came true. Number nine, get physical. I have, uh, I won't go into it, but if I can get there and pump my fist, yeah, baby, love my life, I love my life, woohoo! Happy dance, bounce in your chair, get on your feet. Why? Because it fuels the emotion and it makes it feel real. So get a little bit physical. You don't have to, these are guidelines. The only rule that's unavoidable is that your thoughts become things. And I think I'm gonna add a 10th guideline that's so important and it's not really visualizing, but while all of these things are gonna serve you, what will matter the most to bring it home is not just visualizing, but going out into the world, waving your wand, taking the baby steps, pressing the flesh, asking for help, applying for the job, starting the book, physically do something. If you're just visualizing like a maestro and you're knocking all, all of these check boxes, you're not gonna get it. It's not gonna work unless you embody it with faith and that will take you out into the world, at least through the internet during coronavirus, and ask for help, knock on doors, and do all you can to physically move incrementally baby steps towards that dream as if it was realized. Behaving as if it already came true and or moving in its direction to facilitate its manifestation. Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, happy hump day. Time for another spiritual tune-up. Okay, the question today is uh, actually two questions on the heels of yesterday's answer that pertain to creative visualization. How to visualize many things and how to choose when you've got comparable options. Specifically, what if you have multiple things to visualize that are very different? In other words, if you want to change every area of your life, or, part two, how do you visualize if you're not exactly sure what you want? Like, I want a home on the beach. A Florida beach, or a California beach, or a North Carolina beach? How do I tell the universe without limiting myself? Great questions to answer the first one. When you have a lot of different things that you want. First of all, chill, okay? You cannot get this wrong. The biggest hazard, which doesn't have to do with many different things, has to do with micromanaging through visualization. You don't need, nor want, nor are you truly capable of plotting every twist and turn in your path, checking off every box, dotting every I. I want this beach with that beach ball, and I want this friend, and uh, tall, bald, and handsome. I want, don't micromanage. Realize what you want always, like I have been saying this week, is a general broad brush leveling up of your life. You want wealth, you want friends, you want laughter, you want creativity. That's what you insist upon. And then you visualize the details and the scenarios, but whether it's this house or that house or this beach ball or that bald guy or whatever is not so important. There's so much latitude and leeway. You can't get it wrong, okay? To be very simplistic, let's say, and I remember in my life when I lived in Boston, I wanted to change everything. This was 30 years ago. 
I wanted a relationship. I wanted a new career. I wanted friends. I wanted better health. I wanted more money. And I remember for a while, I came up with a plan to Monday, I would visualize relationships. Tuesday, I would visualize wealth. Wednesday, I would visualize career. Thursday, I would visualize living in a dream location. And that works. That's that's perfectly fine way to do it. I also came up with another twist. I thought to myself, what are the fewest number of words that I could come up with that would imply everything's changed in my life, everything that I wanted change in? And I came up with a little mantra. I am a happy, spiritual, international millionaire. And I would walk to work a half hour every day through Beantown. And every step, I would say, I am a happy, spiritual, international millionaire. I am a happy. Because to me, those four words covered everything in a general sense. It did not limit the universe on how I would be happy. It did not tell the universe how I would make money. It did not specify um, any brand of spirituality, just a, a comeuppance of brighter light and love in my life. And these general end results were solid gold. Um, to, to, to take the ante up or to go more advanced than that, happiness is enough. I am so happy. I am the happiest guy in the world. I am happy because of everything. Everything's working in my life. I'm so happy. That implies career, that implies love, that implies wealth, that implies health. Because the universe isn't going to say, you know, oh, you happy, you, 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 you're happy. You didn't say you wanted money. You didn't say you wanted to be pain-free. You didn't say uh, you wanted your back fixed. You didn't say you wanted a, a love life. Happiness implies that. Okay, the universe isn't going to be a jerk. The universe loves you. Before you even finish your sentences, the universe knows what's going to make you really happy. So you can play around in a number of different ways. You can visualize one thing at a time. You can visualize a scene in your mind that uh, I'm going to the grocery store, like I said yesterday, in my new car with my best friend, um, listening to my new song playing on the radio. Uh, you could have one scenario that you scripted out in advance that covers every base in one four-minute visualization. Um, just some ideas, tons of wiggle room, can't get it wrong, just don't attach to the unimportant details. And all of the details are unimportant. All details are unimportant. All details are unimportant. That doesn't mean they don't rock. That doesn't mean they aren't cool, fun, and sexy. That doesn't mean you're not going to have details galore in your life forever and ever. You will. They're amazing. Details are where God lies. But don't insist on this detail to the exclusion of all others. Visualize the details. Insist only on happiness, wealth and abundance, friends and laughter. And then let the right details show up. So you can visualize the details, but don't micromanage by attaching or insisting on details on who's, how's, or when's. Um, this... For the person who specifically asked about the beach houses, this is what I would do. I would visualize myself in a beach house that made me cry happy tears every morning. Remember that emotion. 
I would not specify in my visualization which beach I'm on. Okay. And if I thought, well, maybe West Coast, East Coast, well, I would, I would get a vision board and I would put some West Coast beach homes on it and East Coast beach homes on it. When I visualized, I wouldn't specify which. When I would take vacations, I would do a weekend on the East Coast or a week and a weekend on the West Coast. I would test the waters. I would leave the door open, the visualization of just joy. This is what I wanted. This is better than I could have ever thought of. Will will create a knowingness within you as time goes by and as you're taking baby steps so that that house, when it shows up, you will know that it's the right one and you will know where to go. And guess what? It might not be East Coast, West Coast. It might be in the Caribbean. It might be uh, in San Tropez. It might be uh, in the Florida Keys. Do you see how important it is to leave the door open? Visualize East Coast. Visualize West Coast. Visualize no coast. Visualize happy and the universe will find the right one. As you take the baby steps, test the waters, Airbnb here, Airbnb there, you will know. You will know. Happiness is where it's at. Today's question posed by you all is a summary of many questions. How to visualize when feeling negative, down, depressed, scared. Mike, help me get through this negativity and worry. Even on the best of days, creative visualization feels inadequate. It feels silly. On the worst of days, total insanity. The house is burning down and you sit there with a smile on your face or a fake smile on your face, worried about getting out alive. Crises after crises in my life has shown me the same thing. That as long as I try, do what I can with what I've got from where I'm at, whether it's creative visualization or baby steps or some combination thereof, my feeble efforts filled with self-doubt are always enough. Always enough enough. I have found in some of my greatest crises, and I'm certainly not immune to those, from my 20s to, you know, of late, um, there are times the fear and the worry is so great that I can't stop it. And I remember in my 20s when I was just coming aware to thoughts becoming things, I was like, thoughts become things and I can't stop worrying. I'm doomed. But yet I would feebly attempt to think some positive, happy thoughts, as well as adjust my life for the commotion and take baby steps. That's always required. You don't have to hit a home run. Just show up, do something. I always prevailed. It was freaky weird. And it's led to a metaphysical law that I have not quite uh, named yet. But if you do what you can with what you've got from where you are, it'll always be enough. So now when I worry, when I have fears, I'm like, oh, you go and worry your little heart out, Mike. Oh, is that going to make you feel better? You just worry. You can't stop it. You don't have to stop it. But simultaneously, start a new train running. You got the train of fear. Now get some train of positivity. So sit down anyway in your dark and scary cloud 
and do your best to be positive. And I have found that when I do that and I have five minutes of creative visualization during a worry, fear filled spell, I worry and feel fear during my five minutes and I still prevail. Why is this? As I have shared time and again, you are of God, by God, pure God, here to rock and roll, roll by choice. It's all about joy. It's all about adventure. It's about love and being loved. So when you think a little feeble thought of, it's going to work out for me, even when in self-doubt, that catches the wind. This is the truth. Given your divine lineage of God, by God, pure God, any thought in alignment with truth, or call it positive, although positive is a judgment, alignment with truth is not a judgment, okay? You are a gladiator of eternity. That's truth. You rock. That's truth. You're going to prevail. That's truth. You're going to rise above. That's truth. Those thoughts become things. Boom, 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 even if you're doubtful, and as long as you're showing up baby steps, etc. When you think, I'm doomed, it's never going to work, I can't see it happening, uh, and you don't show up, well, those thoughts are very difficult to become things and events given your divine nature. But not knowing what we know, a lot of people think that they are truly doomed and they stop showing up and they stop trying. And so, as difficult it is, as it is to make negativity um, turn around, negative thoughts become things, they still succeed. We all know it's possible to have doom and gloom thoughts and bring them about. But when you know what we know, you just show up, do what you can, it's going to be enough. So if you're worrying, worry. I salute you, my dear friend Fear, but I'm going to sit down for four minutes, just one time in this day, and do my best to be positive. And if you want to ride beside me, you ride right along because I'm going to crush you anyhow. So number one, visualize anyway in the fear, in the worry. I know it feels stupid. It feels insane. Do it anyway. Four minutes, no more. You're off the hook. Even if you worry inside the fear, it's okay. Number two, understand your divine nature means you are inclined to succeed. It's easier to succeed by a factor of 10,000 than it is to fail. Okay, so you can worry 18 hours a day, think positive thoughts filled with fear for five minutes a day, and you will rise to the top. My life is proof. I, I have been the biggest worrier of all worriers, okay? And it ain't no thing. I've got no shame about that. So, and number three, as I've said so many times in these tune-ups, don't worry that you worry. It's normal. You should be worried. You think you're human and you're not. The, you feel like the elements are larger than you. You feel like life is happening to you. Of course you're scared. That's not going to stop you. That's not going to change the truth that you are here to succeed, that you are the eyes and the ears of God. So do what you can with what you've got from where you are and it will always be enough. You will prevail. It'll be easy. You're going to be teaching this stuff before you know it. The upward spiral will lift you off no matter where you are right now. And if it is in that dark and scary place, remember where you are is not who you are. You are infinitely more than any step on the path. You are more than the whole dang path. Okay? You are everywhere, always at once. God Almighty, you're going to be okay.
Jumbo and happy Friday, fellow life adventurers. A lot of great questions this week on manifestation. Today's question is part of that process. How do you know you're on the right path? Specifically, for example, Mike, how did you know you should write books and become the voice of the universe? I, I gotta admit that very rarely in my life have I been certain about anything. And that includes my future as a writer prior to being a writer and even after I started being a writer. Um, it's easy to think that for some folks, and maybe for some it's true, that you know their path was laid out before them and that it was crystal clear and they always knew what they wanted. Yeah, sure, a few people, minuscule percentage, know that. But the rest of us have self-doubt every step of the way, fear every step of the way. So here's my formula. First of all, the question was a little bit poorly worded, if I may say. There are no shoulds. The question presumes that we all have a destiny and your destiny is what you should do and all other destinies are wrong. You can be a wild flaming success down an infinite number of paths. Don't torture yourself thinking, is it this one or that one? Am I supposed to be here? Should I be going there? You carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. You're here to be happy and to adventure. You're here to see what happens. You're here to follow your heart. And wherever you decide to place your focus, your attention, your energy, all of the stars realign. All of the angels begin marching in unison and they all lock arms singing, oh, we owe. You're not alone. You're supported. It's going to be easy. That doesn't mean you're going to have clarity. Okay, so number one, there's no shoulds. Number two, I applaud you that you have a path and you're wondering about it. You are so far ahead of the game. Too many people don't even have a path. They're waiting for the yellow brick road to show up. It's not coming. Yellow brick roads do not show up. What happens is you get busy doing what you can with what you've got from where you are, filled with self-doubt and fear. That means you're on the right path. And one day you realize you're living the life of your dreams and that you found your calling, so to speak. Or at least, let's phrase it properly, you found something that totally lights you up and resonates uh, with you. As many other paths could have if you just bear down and give it your all and do it for the right reasons. We'll talk about that in just a second. Consider this as well. And this will take pressure off of you being on the right path. You can always change your path. You can always take a time out. And most paths get changed on the journey. A note from the universe said, you know, whatever road you start out on, is not going to be the road you arrive on. That's for sure. So what's important is not picking the right road, but getting started on a road. Then with your dreams in tow, your creative visualization that we talked about this week, miracles are being pressed to you, even though you feel self-doubt. That's okay. And then because you're out in the world, there's the opportunity for so-called serendipities, coincidences, there ain't no such thing, or happy accidents. Because you're under steam, you're out there in the world, and better than just being out there in the world, you're on a self-chosen path. You're better off choosing a sucky path 
than not choosing a path. You're better off going to that job you hate. Let me be the only speaker to tell you this. You're better off going to a job you hate than no job at all. Now, okay, there's a time and a place to quit the job you hate. And I'm not saying go and learn to love it. No, go ahead and hate it. Rise above it by mastering it until something else comes along. Another part of my answer to this question, if you're on a path, a self-chosen path, and you're not just, you know, twiddling your thumbs at a job that has no meaning for you other than the paycheck, which is better than nothing. But if you're on a path, stay there until something better comes along. That's, that's, I used to be a member of Toastmasters learning how to get over my fear of speaking. And I had a really great friend back then. We used to play tennis all the time. He's still a great friend. And um, seven years later, we still played tennis on and off. Uh, and he had long dropped out of Toastmasters. And he found out during one of our get-togethers that seven years later, I was still a member of Toastmasters. And I remember telling him, no, I don't enjoy it, but it's making me a better speaker. And I'm going to keep on doing it until I have something better to do. Because back then I was single at the time and I didn't have anything better to do in the evenings, Tuesday night or whatever it was. Stay on the path until something better comes along. Now, there's caveats and exceptions to everything I share. I was working for Price Waterhouse for six years, absolutely loved the firm, hated my life. And I was so desperate to make something happen, I did quit without any idea of what to do next other than become some type of entrepreneur. <clears throat> so, so I didn't follow my own advice there. I quit to force the hand of the universe. I did become an entrepreneur and the last paycheck I ever got from a company that wasn't mine was Price Waterhouse. 30 years ago. So, you know, there's exceptions to everything, but hopefully you'll find what you need in these little tune-ups here. Um, you don't have to stay on the path, um, but don't let fear or doubt be the only reason you get off. Um, and only get off the path if you're going to make something else happen, which I did. I forced my hand when I quit Price Waterhouse. Um, why did I start writing as the universe? I always felt there was a book inside of me. I always felt I had something to say. Um, but it was pretty kooky dream for a left brain analytical debit and credit kind of guy. Uh, and so I did other stuff that resonated with me um, until, you know, um, forcing the hand of the universe. We started a t-shirt company. My brother did the art and I started writing. Uh, and that fed the desire to write more. But I never knew it was my path. I sent out manuscripts to publishers. They all said, no way, Jose. Um, I, I didn't feel like a writer, but I started writing the notes because I had nothing else to do. And I like expounding on the nature of reality. Okay, I'm rambling now. And, um, and then I started self-publishing. And then I got invited in The Secret with Ronda, by Rhonda Byrne. And then that became a hit. And then Simon & Schuster showed up. And then Hay House showed up and happily ever after. So hats off to you that you have a path and you don't have to stay on there for life. Take the pressure off. There's other great paths, but until something better comes along, generally stay on that path. Give it your all, be your best, ask questions, and don't worry that you worry. There you have it, fellow podcast listener. Now let's stay in the zone. If you haven't already, please visit my website, tut.com, where you can sign up along with 1 million other subscribers for my free daily notes 
from the universe. You can also find out about my Infinite Possibility membership for a price you choose. Every single Tuesday, I do a live broadcast, a 30-minute mini manifesting workshop. Members have access to the last 52 mini manifesting workshops. So check it out. And if you have a moment and these podcasts move you, I would be deeply grateful for a review at the Apple podcast platform. Go to tut.com, look for spiritual tune-ups, look for the link for podcast. If you send us a screen grab of your published review at Apple, we've got a very special bonus waiting for you. Check out the links, read all about it. Thanks for being here and I'll see you on the next podcast installment.